TV Campfire Podcast. I was like, yep, okay, so you win for the week. <laughs> We're here. I hate to sound like a broken road. Oh, no! We're fans. It's one of the best things on television. Oh! oh! All right, you got to hold it. Oh, no, you didn't. We talk TV. That was the best scene ever. Like, that I, blew I, me away. It was absolutely amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Welcome to the show. This is podcast number 356, and I am Libya, your host, and this week we have a brand new guest. Hi, this is Kyle from NoReruns.net. This is Tom. I'm executive director of screenwriting at Azusa Pacific University in L.A. And this is Allison, and I write reviews for Weedonopolis. All right, first up, we have in the news that Night Shift has been canceled by NBC. Boo. Did you, were you watching that? Yeah, I, I met the creator, one of the creators this summer. I actually, he spoke at an event my department sponsored yesterday, and they had just announced Friday that it, it was a good show. It was uh, veteran-centric, which was kind of cool. A little I mean, bit I watched season take. one, but then I totally stopped watching, so. All right, uh, next I have that Deep State starring Mark Strong will premiere in the spring on uh, Fox International, which means it's going to air in Europe and in Africa in the spring, and there's no date yet for it to air in the U.S., and that's the beginning of a trend where these networks are building shows for the international market and not for U.S. market. Uh, I just talked to somebody who's doing some show called Gone uh, for... uh, ABC or NBC, and I was like, what the heck is that? I was like, oh, you've never heard of it because it's going to premiere in Europe. And I was like, what? And that's apparently a thing now. So we're going to get some of these, well, they're technically American shows in that they're all American actors and they're all in English, but they're the kind of shows that uh, U.S. audiences are kind of over, but international, they still really love that genre, so they're making them specifically for that genre. Mm. All right. Uh, the next piece of news I have is that uh, One Day She'll Darken by TNT is a limited series. It's only going to be six episodes, and it's starring Chris Pine. Um, mm. And it's about someone named Fauna Hodel. I think, and she was given away at birth, and she investigates it, and tries to investigate who her parents are, or what happened, and whatever she discovers is going to reveal the dark side of Hollywood, apparently. I don't know what that means. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The other thing, the last piece of news I have is that SEAL Team on CBS is, uh, I think, the first show they got a full season pickup. Yes. So, anybody... Who's... I thought something else did. Didn't the Good Doctor already get a season pickup? Yeah, that was last. That was. Oh, last okay. Week. Well, then I was wrong. I stand corrected. Um. So. Oh, and uh, and and Young Sheldon was the very first. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Young Sheldon. I remember that. Sorry. Because it retained ninety-seven percent of the Big Bang Theory audience. As you would expect. Well, I but guess that's... technically Will and Grace was the first because it got two seasons. But oh, that's... come on, people! <laughs> that, was, that was before it premiered. <laughs> no. All right, Tom, you have some news. Yes, Amazon has pulled the plug on their untitled David O. Russell drama, and they are also moving forward with the Romanoffs, but without the Weinstein Company for some strange reason. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why. Yeah, I wonder why. Uh, Being Mary Jane will end in 2018 with a two-hour movie 
on BET. And sad news, uh, Victor Garber is poised to exit Legends of Tomorrow because he is taking over the male lead in Hello, Dolly! on Broadway, replacing David Hyde Pierce. So he should be singing, so I understand that. His first performance is supposed to be January 20th, so I would expect that he will be disappearing, you know, partway through the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, Ransom has been renewed for season two at CBS. I'm wondering yeah. if that's one of those international ones that they love it, and that's why it got renewed, because <laughs> it's cheap for CBS just to Probably. air it. Yeah, because now it's the international market. Everything is different. All right, so let's start off talking about the shows. And reminder, we will be on a timer. Uh, First up, we're going to talk about Star Trek, and this is episode four. And this was the first episode where we're not really focused on on Michael Burnham's character. I mean, she's in it, but the focus is more on the mission, and we get to spend a lot more time with Captain Lorca. Uh, And we get to see some of his motivations and some of the ways he manipulates the crew, which is pretty underhanded, but we've never seen a Starfleet captain behave the way he does. He's he's a bit arrogant, <laughs> but not necessarily, not like in a Captain Kirk sort of arrogance. It's different. I don't know. I mean, I like watching him. Don't get me wrong. It's Jason Isaacs. How can you not like watching him? I like, this is true. I, I'm not disagreeing. I like watching him. I'm, I'm agreeing with that. But what I did find was this episode I didn't enjoy as much because there was a lot less Michael. And I'm so used to seeing the story through her eyes that it was really odd not to. You know. So, uh, what do you guys think? Well, I've, I've said before that, you know, I, I do not like this show the way the the rest of you guys do. Um, and this, this particular episode, I, I, you know, I've been, I, I guess the last episode made me feel hopeful that maybe, okay, we were getting somewhere and, and it was improving. And this episode kind of blew that out of the water entirely. And I, I just, I hated everything about it. it the, a, the whole thing I of the magical the tardigrade one. and, it was it was awful. It was it was dumb. The dialogue was cringeworthy. The plot was terrible. The whole idea of this this magic tardigrade that's going to you know use spores to get them all over the universe using a drive we've never heard of before, of course, and which, we'll never hear of again. You, yeah, exactly. Uh, which lets you know it's going to fail. Well, so. but it's going to fail. But you know, I mean, even people don't even talk about it as a failure. So people don't talk about any of these characters at all later on, and and so you're wondering why they're supposed to be so important now. And it just everything about this show is just so badly done and and tedious, except for the special effects. Uh, I, I will give it that; it looks very pretty. But I and and Jason Isaacs is doing everything imaginable to get a performance out of what he's being asked to do, which is practically heroic at this point. Um, but everything else is just terrible. I I. I I don't understand anyone loving this show because everything about it is badly done. The, exactly. The, I, my dialogue with is, you is, is that wrong. I don't understand why you hate this show because I love this show. So I, it's this, I don't understand how you can listen to the dialogue and not just be, be cringing. It sounds like something that was either alternately written by computer or written by a third grader. It's, it's <laughs> terrible. Every trope that they use is something that's been regurgitated by another show, you know, a hundred times over. Um, and, and the one unique thing of this, this 
giant tardigrade is so absurd and I mean comically awful that you wonder just how the, they could possibly come up with it and and had someone okay that script. It's it's just it, it, amazing to me how bad the show is. Okay, moving uh, on, I, I'm, Tom. I'm, <laughs> I'm with Libby on this one. I, I have three words for all the naysayers: code of honor which was episode four of TNG. I think people are forgetting that it takes the Trek shows, especially the modern era Trek shows, a while to find their footing. And that people have been so uncharitable toward the show. Is it perfect? No. It's lavishly produced. I mean, I, despite what CBS says, I, you can only make sense of it if you set it in the Kelvin universe. Because it, right. it doesn't make sense in the prime timeline. But is it perfect? No. I like the cast. I'm interested to see where they're going. Everybody complains about, oh, there was no conflict on TNG. You give them conflict. Oh, my gosh, it's not Starfleet. There's too much conflict. It's like, just give it a break. Let them see where, you know, I'm willing to give it. I'm entertained. Right. Go ahead. I think that they're really, really interesting. When I was uh, researching a few years back, Ron Moore actually said, that if he had been if he had been given the opportunity to do Star Trek after you know Deep Space Nine, et cetera, he would have re- he would have done something similar to Abrams because there's just 51 years of history, and when you have to be slavishly, oh my gosh, the uniforms are nothing like what they should be. It's like, oh my, really, really? I mean, they Enterprise had different uniforms, and if you look at the behind the scenes stuff, they tried to bridge between Enterprise and the Cage Pilot, and they can't win for losing because everybody's got an opinion about everything. Just try to enjoy it, and you know. I, yeah. I agree. I mean, I, and I love it. I love the character so much. I mean, the only character that I'm on the fence about is the roommate because she feels like kind of a Buffy character that got stuck on the ship <laughs> accidentally. And so sometimes I think she's adorable, and sometimes I want to stab her in the eye. Uh, so, <laughs> Which is probably how Michael feels. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But everybody else I really like. And the only reason I think this episode was weaker than the others is because the focus wasn't as, as clear. I mean... The other episodes, we're seeing the ep- seeing it through Michael's eyes, which I really like. And this episode, she's like stuck in this lab, and we only check in on her once in a while. And I have to say, really quick, best death ever in in hilarity points is the chief uh, of security, who's like, "Hey, let's open up this thing, and and I'll just trank it, and it'll be fine." And she immediately gets eaten. Uh, it it was so funny. Like I just mm-hmm. cracked up laughing at that, and then and then she was dead. Somebody, what somebody else I was watching it with was like, they really expected her to get go to med bay and they'd wave a wand over her and she'd be fine. And they were like, nope, too much damage. She's dead. Uh, so the very first red shirt is out, and I think that's fascinating. But let's move on. We've hit our time limit. Uh, so I think me and Tom are giving it thumbs up. I yep. didn't like it as much as last week, but I still liked it. And Allison, of course, is thumbs down to it. All right. Next up. My, th- my thumb is subterranean. <laughs> this show Come on, is no more. We're moving on. We understand your opinion. <laughs> uh, next up, let's talk about Fear the Walking Dead. Uh, and this, was this one two hours or is the, fin- no, the finale is two hours. I just felt like it was two hours. So I was trying to catch up on it really quickly. Um, 
this one was just like they didn't have to kill the daughter. What's her the daughter's name? Oh, good lord, Ophelia. 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 They didn't have to kill her like five seconds before the dad walked up. They just it felt like for dramatic purposes only to see what Daniel's reaction was going to be, which I felt was unnecessary. I did think what they were going for it being tragic that she dies right before the reunion. I get that, but did she have to die as he's walking up? Like eh, that felt a little excessive. I actually would have I would have enjoyed it more if she died and he got to say something to her. Like that would have actually made me cry. This just made me roll my eyes. Uh, what'd you guys think? Uh, I this this season hasn't been very very good at all. Like the thing Agreed. I don't understand is <laughs> like last week we had Alicia going off on her own, which makes zero sense. So the first thing she does is, hey, let me join up with a new friend. Like I thought the whole reason was you were going off on your own because you wanted to be on your own, but now you found a new partner to team up with. Who's by I the mean, way I, cooler with the pickaxe? Yes, I like I actually like those two, but I think the whole idea is just stupid that. Now, like she didn't even go off on her own. Yeah. And then the other thing I can't stand is we got Nick uh, spiraling back into like his drugs and everything, which I absolutely hated that storyline at the beginning. And now we're going back to it. And I'm sure it's just going to get worse with him dragging uh, Troy in with him as well. It feels like a manufactured problem. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, that's yeah, the he- problem with this show. I think everything about it just feels like, you know, they're they're throwing things at the wall to see what, what, what will stick. And everything feels forced. Nothing feels like an organic part of the storyline. Even Ophelia's death, you know, you said you didn't think she should have died just at that moment. I didn't think she should have died at all. I yeah. mean, they, they had her missing in action for the longest time. They finally bring her back. They've developed her character, so she's more of a badass now, and she's interesting. So let her be interesting. Let her stick with the show and, and do something. And instead, they just they just randomly kill her off. And of course, it's because Daniel made all these threats about what he'd do if if you know, she wasn't there. Right. And uh, you know, it's it just it just seems so so utterly forced and manufactured. And instead of being an organic part of the storyline. And it's part of what frustrates me with this show so much. Yeah, I mean, they could have just sent her off with Daniel and we just never see her again. And that would have been fine. Although we'll probably see Daniel rejoin this group, I would assume. Well, they're all together right now. Because yeah. he let them follow them back to the the, the dam. Which, of course, now... Um, what's Domingo's character's name? Oh, Strand. Strand. Strand is now going to sabotage because apparently he made a side deal because he doesn't trust Daniel, and so that's all. They're basically, it's all self-destructive right now, and I just I cannot wait for Gimbal to take over this show <laughs> because the current showrunner, the things that he thinks are exciting, like I've seen him in interviews and he's talking about how great. Uh, not Maggie, Megan. What the heck is the lead woman's name? Morgan, Megan. Uh, Madison. Uh, Madison. Madison, thank you. He, I've heard him talk about how awesome Madison is and how much he loves her character and how he's developing her. And I'm like, are we watching the same show? Because Madison is terrible. And he keeps 
going on about how excited he is about what he's done with her. And I'm just like, dude, you are deluding yourself. She is not an interesting character. They actually, they actually were improving things in the second season. The second season got really good, and then stuff just went downhill again. Then yeah. they killed off Christopher, which was the best thing ever, and then. But then they killed off again. Travis, which was not the best thing ever. And they did it just as they made him interesting too. It's yeah. like, okay, well, he's interesting, so bye. Yeah, it's like, it's what? like the, exactly. I feel like this showrunner doesn't understand what audiences want, which is why the ratings are so low. And which is why, in case you guys haven't heard, we're getting a crossover from Fear and the main ship, Walking Dead. How that's going to happen, we don't know, but... Doctor Who's going to show up with his parents. That will be fantastic. All right, that's all we need to talk about this show. We can move on. Uh, next up, let's talk about Lucifer. We haven't talked about... I don't think we've talked... Well, no, we've talked about the premiere and that's it. All right, so this episode of Lucifer, um, you have Tom Welling as the new lieutenant, and he gives the big warning to Lucifer uh, to not look into the Sinner Man. And every time they say that, I'm like, Cinnamon? Sinner Man? Should I start singing? Uh, well, they did make the Nina Simone uh, reference. I was like, okay, at least they're acknowledging that song. Yes. Because that's what I think of every time. Every, exactly. I start singing it. I'm like, stop it. Um, and I, I like that they did that a little bit because now I'm convinced that the Lieutenant is a center man. Oh, I definitely, as soon as he, he gave that warning, I was like, oh, he's definitely, he's like, oh, he killed someone close to me. Like, I'm assuming it's like a part of him or something, but it seemed (laughs) like he was definitely, it was definitely him as the center man. Like he knew too much. Yeah. I agree. I was like, way to throw suspicion on yourself. Um, I'm trying to think of what else happened. What else did you like about the episode, since I'm blanking? I did like the, um, I forget what her name is, fanning out over being at that uh, TV show film. Oh! Like she was the super fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's yeah. a CSI chick. I don't know her name either. Um yeah, I, I liked her excitement and her betrayal when she finds out that this guy's a liar. Uh, and the case, because the whole thing is, in this particular episode, Lucifer's trying to figure out who knocked him out and left him in the desert. And he wants to know, he thinks that the center man and this case is connected. Of course, he's wrong, but that's always his motivation. I have to say, though, this show has kind of jumped the shark a little bit as far as... Zoe learning his secret, I do not care anymore. She's become an unimportant character because they've taken so long to do the reveal so that she's in on the secret. Everybody else on the show knows what's going on except for her. And they haven't spent any time explaining her abilities exactly. They're like, oh, God put her in Lucifer's path but they haven't really said why or what her powers are. And I'm just over it at this point. I feel like they've, they've put it on too long or whatever. Uh, any other thoughts about this episode? Uh, no, I just thought it was a lot. Of, it had a good, uh, fun, like side story going on throughout the, 
the episode. I, I do I do like that they mix in a lot of the humor into the cases uh, yeah. while also doing the more serious uh, overarching storyline. Yeah, I can see that. Generally, I enjoy Lucifer. It's just when I think about the storylines that they've set up and haven't fulfilled, that's when I get annoyed. But I'd say this episode overall was a thumbs up because I had fun watching it. Um, all right, let's move on. Next up, we're going to talk about The Gifted. And this was episode two. And what it convinced me of is that I really like the family, uh, both of the parents and the kids. But the underground, for the most part, I think I find 90% of them annoying. Uh, but the girl in prison, she her storyline has potential to be interesting. So I could get on board with that. Uh, what do you guys think so far? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I the more the most interesting one to me is um, Polaris in jail and her trying to um, to get out of jail. And then I, I did like that they brought in Sharon Glass uh, as the mother. Oh, Obviously, right. Matt Nix uh, had some say, had some part in that uh, from Burn Notice uh, bringing her in. Um, so I, I am interested to see more of, um, the backstory of the family. I liked how we jumped back and saw that the sister had already like sort of honed her powers to be able to knock down pins at the bowling alley. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and then we also saw like how there's this building, um, uh, oppression of like the people that have the powers, like how she notes that it's the family, that's getting picked on that has to leave just because they're the ones that are the mutants versus uh, the people who are really in the wrong in the situation. And I also like the car conversation with uh, Amy Acker where she's like, yeah, I'm all about mutant rights and protecting mutants now because I have two mutant kids. And the other guy was like, yeah, when did you start protecting (laughs) rights? Like five seconds after you found out your kids were mutants? Or did you do anything before? And she was like, "Uh, crickets. So I like the issues they're bringing up. And I do also like the idea that they've turned the dad basically against them. In an effort to protect his family, he's now going to be a spy, I guess and work against them to help them capture the underground just at the time when the family has gotten a hundred percent on board helping the underground. So that's an interesting development. Did anybody else see it? Yeah, I did. Um, I, I enjoyed the episode a lot. I like, I like their world building. I like, you know, how they're setting up the situation. Um, it, it, it more and more seems like, yes, they are going with, having this be in the same universe as the recent Logan movie. They even talked about the incident in this particular episode, which we know from the movie was something involving uh, Xavier, Professor X. Um, So it's, it's that, it's that sort of thing. That's, you know, I I like those little references and things like that, that they slip in there. Um, But I, I really enjoy the family. I think they're, they're interesting. And um, I guess I like probably like the uh, the group, the revolutionaries, uh, the underground rather, uh, probably better than you do. I, I think they just haven't been given as much development time as, as the others. That's why they're, you know, maybe not some characters that we are embracing as, as closely. But I think given enough time, 
uh, and enough development, I think that they'll really be interesting. I certainly liked the guy who went off to the hospital with Amy Acker. He seemed he's he was really uh, a a good character and a good way of getting into that world, finding out the level of oppression that's going on and um, how they are treated and and all of that. So I I I really like the show and I like seeing where it's going and I think that's got a lot of promise. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I agree. All right. Um let's move on. Next up we're gonna talk Kevin Saves the World. And this has potential of falling into the super religious front and it manages to skirt that very nicely. And it's more about being a good person and making good choices and helping other people. Um, And there's obviously a hand guiding Kevin. And what I liked in this episode was that uh, his angel guardian was basically telling him, wait for the signs you'll see and it'll tell you what to do. And he was like, well, I want to do good now. I don't want to just sit around. And And I liked that he just tried to be proactive about it. Uh, and I thought that was cute. I mean, he's basically now completely on board the mission. And and it's exciting to see where it's going. I'm, I, I think this show could really be funny. And Ritter is really charming. Uh, Kyle, what do you think? Yeah, he's like just in that opening thing when he's trying to convince Sam Huntigan to uh, like, oh, what do you need? What do you need? And it's a quick cuts and everything. Like there's so much humor in the show that makes it so enjoyable to watch and then they do get a little more serious like when they're thinking alone she's worried about oh is he like getting suicidal again or something so they they do balance it out with a little more drama but it definitely remains lighter uh, my only complaint like he, his ultimate goal is to find like these 36 righteous souls right. like what or the th- other 35 whatever happened to them but I'd like to see him make some, I mean, and we're only a couple episodes in, but I'd like to see him make at least some progress, not like, oh, by the end of the season, we get one person he found. Like, it's like these shows that set up these lofty goals that they're going to somehow cover, but you never know if they're going to get canceled before they even get <laughs> close to uh, <laughs> to uh, completing it. So I, I'd like to see him at least make some progress in that mission. Yeah, I would agree. And I th- I didn't like the misdirect where you think he's found one in the first episode and they're like, Oh no, no, no. That was just some random guy you helped. Oh, I ha- I hated that. I was so upset with that. Yeah. Like, that I, I'm cool. having, I, I watched a show like in the, I think it was the late eighties or, or early nineties called the hundred lives of blackjack savage, which was something very similar. It was like this guy that had to rescue a hundred souls. The show got canceled after a TV movie in like six episodes. So he did not get anywhere close to the hundred souls that he had to save. And so that's why I was like, oh, they didn't even give him one and he has to get 35 more. Like, uh, so yeah, that, that bugged me. Yeah, I can see that. All right. So if you guys are not watching, you should give it a chance. It's on Hulu. Catch up. I think it's fun. So uh, nice half hour comedy. All right. Next up. Um, we're going to talk about the season premiere of Supergirl. And my disclaimer is that I did not watch the last two or three episodes of last season because I was so over Supergirl last season. Oh. And I watched this 
just to see what, <laughs> were they doing anything interesting that's going to bring me back in? Uh, not really, because she's still annoying. But now it's like I won't feel any emotions. I'm going to be, a, and I realize that Melissa, Melissa, what's her last Benoist. name? She's really not that good. Like when she's happy and charming, I like her. And that's it. Like, she can't do anything else. Like, if she tries any other range of emotion, I find her really unlikable. It, it's, it reminds me of on Smallville, evil Clark was much more interesting than good Clark. Well, Whenever he got possessed by red kryptonite. Right, but I'm, I'm saying the opposite. Unless she's super happy, good Supergirl, I don't like her. Do you think she was good as this evil version of herself? Did you like this? She wasn't evil. She was just... No, oh, I know. My, she was just I mopey had, and... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, mopey's not interesting. Isn't an interesting default <laughs> mode for any... For most characters. That's problematic. Right. I mean, the thing is... The thing you miss at the end of the season is... To thwart the Daxamite invasion led by Terry Hatcher... The Daxamites are, vul- are vulnerable to lead. And oh, so I got it had, in the previously. I okay, understand okay. that he's gone and... Well, He's quote unquote gone. He's still in the main cast, so obviously he'll be back. Right, right. Which is why I also find this annoying. It's not like he really well, died. Yeah, it's it's well, it's it's false stakes, which isn't interesting for anybody's show. Right. So, did you? What did you think of this premiere? Is it going to bring you I, back in? I mean, I never stopped watching it. So. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't my favorite of the DC shows last year, but it wasn't the one that I'm like, uh. I well, we're not even talking about I, that one. Yeah, the Arrow? <laughs> yes! We were trying not to speak oh, its name! You, you said it, Kyle. Come on, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm a season, I'm a half a season behind an Arrow, because I, I couldn't... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we all dumped Arrow last year. <laughs> yeah, we... <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> we remember your pain. <laughs> but I, I thought it was okay. It didn't really wow me, but, you know, it was okay. I... I it's interesting that some of these some of these CW shows, it seems like they could benefit from shorter seasons, like the Netflix shows, because they do these season long arcs and they stretch them out, and you end up on an elliptical walker, you know, moving but not going anywhere for the longest time. Right. And it would have been better for this episode, like one of the other superhero premieres we'll, we'll talk about. It would have been better if they resolved the Monel thing in this episode instead of putting it off because it just feels like oh come on we know you're going to do it just do it exactly uh kyle what you think yeah i wasn't really a fan. i i hate when they get the superhero mopey like the flash was all of last season like right. and how she was this season all depressed and like she's definitely so much better when she's bubbly and happy and that's the supergirl i want to watch i don't want to watch her like sad and upset and I think they can do that. They can find like they don't need to give her these these stories where she, that she gets upset and has the weight of the world on her. I would just let, want a light, fun show. Uh, I did find it also interesting how they found yet another way to explain why Cat uh, is no longer on the show. <laughs> they basically give her yet a new job off someplace else, throw her on the TV for a couple clips, and now we've covered her for the entire season. And we don't have to fly her out to Vancouver or wherever they're filming. I don't even know why they bother anymore. Um, uh, Allison, did you watch it? No, no. I'm, <laughs> I'm not into that show. 
All right, I understand why now. Like, uh, I don't know if someone's gonna have to tell me that the show's gotten better to bring me back into Supergirl because what I just saw is not enough for me to keep watching. Because it was I'm on hoping... my list of shows to delete from my DVR, and I was like, "Well, I'll give the premiere a chance." And nah. And I'm hoping I... once it gets happy again, then it will be back to its old self. Only thing I will have to say, I also don't buy the Supergirl Manel romance. So her being super upset about him being gone just does nothing for me. So I feel like zero for that whole relationship. So anyway, let's move on. (laughs) Uh, Next up, we're going to talk about The Flash. And this was their chance to get back in it. Um, And I think that this was an interesting choice. Because last season, it was all about, like you said, Mopey, Barry. And this season, we're starting off with Iris, who normally has nothing to do. And some kind of way, she ends up in charge of the team. And I'm not upset about that. I think that could be interesting because of all the losses that they had last season. They were really floundering, and she decided to take over. I'm like, okay. I can see, let's see where that's going. And uh, I was afraid that they were going to draw out the very limited mind function, not being able to speak thing for too long, but they resolve it by the end of the episode. So I thought, okay, let's go. So that was pretty good. Uh, Tom? No, I was glad they got him out of the Speed Force and got him basically functioning. This is what I think they should have done on Supergirl. You know, you've got the problem, solve the problem, have the after effects of the problem, and get ready to move on with the, you know, slightly revised status quo. Right. So, and the new suit's cool. <laughs> I couldn't even figure out what was different about it. I it know, that's what I was it. thinking. Oh, no, it, <laughs> yeah. it, it, if you see a still photo, it's completely different. Mm. But to, to me, like, the way they resolved Barry, it just seemed way too quick. Like, I'm glad that it's it's fixed, but it just seemed like... Someone snapped their fingers, all of a sudden he's magic back to himself just because he saved her and that was it. And it just seemed a little too convenient. While I, I'm happy that they quickly resolved it and got it back to the status quo and hopefully he's, hap- to, he's back to Happy Barry. But um, it just seemed a little too convenient. Yeah, oh, and- I agree. I, it was like, you know, the clock is running out. It's time. Okay, you know, he's better now. Wee. Uh, and, and and of course he's made better by the power of love which is you know i mean it's it, you know i don't have real high expectations with the flash so i enjoy it for what it is because it's corny and it's silly and a lot of stuff doesn't make sense but if you just you know you, you watch it just for the fun of it it's and also for the characters who are, who interact really well and, and and they're cute um i i enjoy it for that i have so a that question was, who knows who the character was at the end? It was like, we're supposed to know who it is. Was that like I Brainiac no or somebody? Clue. No, oh, I have I, no idea. I, I read in IMDb who it was. It wasn't a recognizable Flash villain to me, but... Mm. Who? Well, you don't know the name or you don't remember? Because they, remember they the introduced it like we should have known who exactly. this guy was. Like, dun, dun, dun. And I always I'm assume like, it's who? some comic thing that I don't read the comics, so I don't... Yeah, I never, too. N- well, that's n- why I was asking else? you guys. <laughs> Did anyone else think the samurai? Like when I heard the samurai talking, it sounded like Barry's voice. Oh, like did it? Did anyone yeah. else think so? I had, no, no, I, I, I just knew it. I, I knew that. it was a robot. So, oh, how do you know it was a robot? Because it, that's the only thing that made sense. 
What? See, I was wondering if Barry sent it back and he recorded his own voice to he sent it to go save himself, but then they had those other people that seemed to be responsible for it. Oh. Yeah, I did not figure out it was a robot. Okay. Points to you guys. One of one of the things that they did in the comic book, I think with the Wally West version of Flash, is that Linda, now Iris, since we're on Barry, is his anchor. So they may or may not develop that that further in the show, but whenever he has issues, you know, with speed force or bopping through time or whatever, she's the anchor that can help draw him back. So, okay. But uh, the thing is, I'm a nerd, so I know that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everybody else should be clued in on. All right, uh, but I think we're on board with the Flash this season. Yes, thumbs yeah. up for me. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah. All right, I am too. Alright, next up, uh, we're going to talk about Mr. Robot, meaning not me, because I dropped out last season from ridiculousness of plotnessness. So, (laughs) uh, who watched Mr. Robot's premiere, and what did you guys think of it? Um, I watched it, and uh, overall, I mean, I, I liked... Most of it. I, th- I thought most of the episode was was uh, uh, really well done. And they, they're introducing new characters and doing more with the characters that they've got. And I, I think they're, they're taking the Mr. Robot character, the, the, his, his, his alter ego that his, is you know, physically supposed to be his dad, Christian Slater uh, character. And they're they're now making him sort of his um, his almost his nemesis. They're doing things separate from each other, and they're they're aware of each other, but not aware of what they're doing necessarily. And um, we're learning that that Angela is working with both of them separately toward her own ends. And a lot of this was great stuff. I really, I really enjoyed it. They had a great feel through the episode. This, the sense of the of paranoia that they had through season one. I think they got back again, uh, and it was working great right up until about the last five minutes of the show. And at that point, they suddenly introduced something that just flipped the entire series into like science fiction fantasy land. As opposed to like you know, uh, kind of a paranoid psycho thriller, which it's been this this entire time, and um, it, it, it's like where did that come from? If you haven't seen it, then you know you you don't know what I'm talking about. But it was such a weird thing, and it's like it was one of those things where you really expect me to make that leap that that we're going there. Um, and it, it made, it made very, very little sense. It, it explains something that they showed at the very opening during the credit sequence, but it made, it made no sense in the context of the show. So I, I'm still in and I'm watching it, but I, I have no idea what they're thinking of at this I'm point. I'm going to have to go back and rewatch the last five minutes. Cause I don't remember what you're talking about, <laughs> but I, I, I did really enjoy Bobby Carnavale on the um, on the episode. He he's like oh, yeah. they added him as a new character. He's like this sleazy, um, almost like a cleaner or a lawyer or like pretty much a jack of all trades that can help you with anything. And like he was a really fun character that they added. So I'm looking forward to seeing 
more of him uh, this season. Yeah, I liked him, and I liked the, the the sleaziness of his character. He was almost like a used car salesman, but and you weren't quite sure what his function actually was. But other than you know, just some kind of some kind of enabler in some function, and uh, that was nice. But yeah, it's just it just went somewhere weird. <laughs> So I don't know what the show is going to do. <laughs> well, I was about to ask. So, do you think I should give it another shot, or do you want to wait to make sure it's on the right path before you tell me that? I I don't know. I I enjoyed it. You know, overall, I really I was really getting into the episode, and I really loved it. I just I'm just sort of baffled about the this new thing that they introduced, which I'm kind of loath to come right out and say. Um, you know, yeah, for those who haven't is, watched it yeah, yet, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I, I, I will say, I will say that, you know, at the very beginning, there is a conversation that they have with BD Wong's character. Um, and, uh, he's, he's talking to, to one of his, his minions and they pan out and it, you, you realize that they're standing inside this absolutely immense machine and what this thing does, it, there's no explanation for until of the conversation that Portia has at the very end. And then you suddenly realize that, you know, they're, they're, they're mess. They, well, okay, I'll come right out and say it. So spoiler for anyone who, does, who doesn't want to hear it, stop listening now. But they're apparently trying to mess with time. They're apparently trying to, to use some machine that can actually alter time. And okay, that actually sounds more interesting to me. It's, but it's, it's so weird for the show because that's the show has never introduced anything that outre into into their world. Their world is very much like ours, just slightly altered. Well, there could be somebody tight. in our world trying to make a time machine. We don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, so, I mean, the time machine thing, that's all you had to tell me. I'm like, okay, let's do that. And now you're sold. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it right. just, it's just very, I didn't say it was bad. I said it was weird. It just has nothing to do with the rest of the series or the way it's been set up. I understand. We got to wrap this one up though. So you guys are both saying thumbs up. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll keep watching this one. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about This Is Us. And this week's episode, the main focus was really the twins, Kate and um, Kevin, and uh-huh. how they're both dealing or not dealing with the grief of their father's death, and uh, how Kate, who usually is the one that's damaged and can't do anything, this time she actually had therapy to deal with this issue, and Kevin didn't, and it just talking about it just ruined his day and maybe his career. Uh, so that's that's interesting. But of course, all that does is put more pressure on how does the dad die, and they're built. They are building it up to the point of ridiculousness at this point. Um, but I still enjoy the relationship between the family, and the flashbacks are still pretty good. So. And they keep managing to get the granddad in in some kind of weird way, which I'm not <laughs> best, complaining about because that guy's awesome. performance by a character who should have left the show last year. <laughs> I know, but I just like it's fantastic. It and was I, a nice flashback. It really was. It really, yeah. I, and that little girl knocked the scene out out of the park. I was oh, really those happy. Girls seriously. Yeah, 
So, I thought that you know, Stallone is, was a pleasant surprise. Oh, yeah. I was shocked yeah. to see him. Yeah. I was um, in Creed. Mm-hmm. I would have won my Oscar pool. I think I tied last time because I didn't pick, I picked him to win over the dude from Bridge of Spies, which, yeah, the dude was good, but still, I thought Stallone because of his rags to riches type story. But, you know, in, with the right script and the right director, he's good. And it's just kind of shocking when you're so used to seeing him just flex and, you know, mutter a one-liner. Right. He was really good in this, especially when he was talking about how memories work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that he was, scene was really great. The, the scene with Kate was terrific. Yeah. And the um, Randall's, Randall's through line about he and, him and Beth becoming foster parents to an older girl that's for me that hits close to home because my wife adopted her foster son last year before we got engaged and that's not easy so you know this show everybody when it premiered people were like oh i cry every episode for me the episode where william died was the first time i cried but i got for clump when they're talking about this foster stuff because been there done that and doing it yeah i did appreciate you know they when they had this conversation with the girl at the end, I thought, oh, it, this is just going to be too pat and too easy. They'll give her one little pep talk and everything will be fine. And then, you know, at the very end, the whole thing just collapses. And it's I, I was glad about that because it's like, no, it isn't that easy. Right. You've, you've got this very troubled girl who's clearly been, you know, abused. I mm-hmm. mean, the way she, she flinched when, oh, uh, when Randall came in the room. Yeah, and so, so you know there's a lot going on there. So I was I was very happy to see that they weren't just going to make it all pat and simple. Right. Yeah, I, re- I prefer if they did. <laughs> <laughs> make it nice and simple. Kyle. And that controversy. Yeah, I, I, I don't love this show as much as everyone seems to love it. I thought Parenthood was way better than this show. The, the, the main issues I have with this is the weird jumping around in time, like especially where they brought the granddad back. If you just watch this episode, you have no clue what's going on. Like you thought that guy was dead and now he just shows up with no explanation. They don't like explain that something's like where these flashbacks are, like the way they jump around. And I, actually I can't like stand... that. Cause they don't expect to, they don't spoon feed you. They're like, keep up, pay attention. And then you'll understand. Uh-huh. And, and I, I just can't stand Kate as a character. Like, oh, dude! Like she always bugs me. Like when Kevin told her off, saying like you're putting all your problems on him. It's like that's what I want to hear. I, like tell her that I, I just can't stand her. Like she's putting all her own problems on everyone else. She's messing up his career by harassing him just before he's about to to go out there and do his work. Like why is she even at the set? Like well, he just she said go he invited away. her. Yeah. He invited because he he <laughs> needs her as a security blanket as much as she's needed him. Yeah. yeah, and she didn't do it on she didn't do it on purpose. It's you know she uh-huh. shares something heartfelt to Stallone on how much her the his movies meant to her growing up, and then Kevin's you know oh what are you talking to him about? It's like dude, either you want her there or you don't want her there. But you know he's such uh-huh. a he he's as big of a back, basket case as she is. He's just better looking and. Got apps. <laughs> I, I will help uh, Kyle on one thing. I was ranting against Kate last week because of last week's episode. I had a lot of problems with her last week. This week, I didn't think it was her fault. Uh, I think this was more Kevin not dealing with his stuff mm-hmm. and getting mad at her and blaming her for his own problems. 
because um, she was seems, dealing with her problem and he wasn't. And it seems like they're going to give him now a addiction to painkiller problem, which oh, yeah. is going to be even more annoying. <laughs> That's so. true. The painkiller yeah, problem kind of is never that a good story. Happen. No, ever, ever. So I, I'm, I, I saw that too, and and I just cringed because it's. I, I, I hope that that's not what happens because this show has a tendency to like start going in a certain direction and then they surprise you and go somewhere else because it's a smart show, and mm-hmm. I'm hoping that they're smart here and they don't go down the typical path. But the way that that Kate said, "Oh, he, you're just like dad," and then you see oh, him yeah, take the pills, yeah. it's like this is definitely coming. Yeah. Like they're definitely going to go that way. I agree. All right, let's move on before now I am depressed. There will be sad tears. (laughs) All right, um, next up we're going to talk about Gotham. Uh, And this episode was basically Bruce killed a child. Well, he did kill a child. But he had that moral dilemma of is the mission more important than the hostage? And in this case, he befriends this little kid who's a little bit younger than him, and they have these great conversations. But at the end of the day, he decides that the mission is more important, and then he has to deal with the consequences of that. And that's pretty big. I actually give them credit for that, because that's a, that's a huge thing for an adult to deal with, let alone a kid. Allison? I gotta get him into the the Dark Knight mode pretty quickly. Like <laughs> so he has of... to be broody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Allison, what do you think? Uh, no, I thought it was an excellent episode, and and I did like that they had that that conundrum come uh, come up while he was because you know the thing is there there were stakes. He doesn't know what's going to happen if he gives this knife to uh to raise al goal i mean there's you know that he could he could do devastating things with it potentially right so it's do i do i endanger the life of this one person or do i endanger the life of everyone in the city right and so it's it's a terrible terrible place to be in um but i thought overall the whole the whole episode was was really well done really well structured i liked all the stuff with riddler and the penguin especially (laughs) yes i did like the penguin calling out the riddler that his puzzles were way too complicated and ridiculous well not even complicated they were dumb (laughs) they they were dumb they were badly done yeah it took him forever to come up with them (laughs) Uh, and then he oh, sent like a rap a crew to do the po- like it was just ridiculous. Oh, that was hilarious. That was, <laughs> that was so. And and his reaction, uh, you know, the, the the penguin's reaction was, was mine. Really, it was like, what was that? <laughs> All that was great. And, and you see the penguin when he's uh, not penguin Riddler when he's finally figured out what the riddle's gonna be, and he's like, I figured it out. This is brilliant. It will bring him to his doom. And then when you see what it actually is, you're like, wait, what? This is it? Uh, And then that moment that just is kind of heartbreaking when Penguin is like, no, we're not going to freeze you. I'm going to let you live knowing what kind of a failure you are. Oh, the pain, the pain. And I like the, the actor playing the Riddler. There's such a difference and subtlety in the way he's playing the character now. He seems almost like the same character, but he's slower, and and you can tell. And it's yeah. just it's just the subtlety in his performance. I think that's fantastic. 
Well, I, I like the fact that, you know, he, I mean, he was frozen for six months. So the, the, the fact that he didn't just jump out of bed and be 100% is kind of nice. He's, he's got some going. I mean, it, it took a while for him to just get enough energy to get out of bed. And now it's going to take a while before mentally he gets his faculties back, too. Maybe he just needs someone to declare their love for him, and then he'll be back. That's <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. So well if that would have worked, that would have worked last week because he had his number one super fan. show. Yeah. That's hilarious. Uh, all right. And we, we got a little bit of the Falcones, uh, their family, her, her loyal faction got killed because they walked right into the middle of a penguin trap. But I like that she has a plan of her own and she's smart enough not to involve Gordon because Gordon's an idiot. So um, I like her actually as a character because she is smart. They let her be smart. And the actress who's, who's portraying her is, is very, very good. So well, yeah, Teen it's... Wolf. See, you're missing out. You didn't watch Teen Wolf. Oh, she's on Teen Wolf. Okay. Well, not anymore. Teen Wolf's done, but she was on Teen but, Wolf. Okay, was on Teen Wolf. Right. Um, but yeah, I only thing that bothers me is she looks so much like Lee in um, like Shadow. Like if you're not, if you're just looking at the two of them standing together, I was like, is that Lee? Oh wait, that's the new person, and that's a little weird. Well, Gordon but, goes for the same type. Apparently. But I think she's smarter than Lee, so I'll take mm-hmm. that. Um, well, she's a criminal mastermind, which I like. All right, so let's move on. Uh, I think we're giving Gotham thumbs up. This was a dark episode for Bruce, but in a really good way. Yeah. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Supernatural's whatever season premiere. What is this, 13? I don't even know what season it is. I know that they've been on forever. It's like, you know, they're, they're 35th year on the air. (laughs) Uh, and this episode was, what's really interesting is, uh, so they have the son of Lucifer and they super groom to now he's like a young adult and you find out why he's like that. Cause his mom told him that he needed to be an adult and not a child. So he could defend himself against all the people that were going to try to come kill him. And he thinks that his father's Castiel. And I, I think what's interesting is it looked like in casting, that kid looks like Castiel. And a little bit. I was like, that's weird. But I think that's interesting. So now we have Sam who wants to redeem him and make him a good character. And we have Dean just waiting around to figure out how to kill him. As Dean would. I mean, it makes sense the division of what their opinions are, but it does feel like we've done this before. Um, Hopefully they make Jack a really interesting character. Like that's what I'm hoping for. And let's not linger with the whole Castiel's dead thing. Cause we all know Castiel's not actually dead. I'm pretty sure he's not. I think he's still in the, um, the call list or whatever. So let's, I feel like let's just get that done and bring him back so that I'm not. Yeah, I was actually surprised they didn't bring him back at the end of the the episode. I kept expecting him to the kid to do like a laying on of hands and have Castile just magically pop back again. So uh, it was it was surprising when that didn't occur actually. So I'm wondering how long they drag this out. Yeah, I'm going to be annoyed by it. I can tell you that already. But 
I mean, I'm just, at this point, the show hasn't become terrible, and I still like the boys together, and I like Lucifer, and I potentially could like Jack, so I guess I'm watching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did like the monologue that uh, they gave Dean, calling on God. Oh, you know, right, right, and, right. And he's, you know, just he just needs help and he wants everyone back and, you know, even Crawley to come back again. And, and that was just beautifully done. It's, it, it was, it was a nice little moment that kind of acknowledged everything that got lost last year, last season. So I, I thought that was, that was a nice touch. Um, yeah. I, I'm in it for the ride. I mean, I've been watching this, show for i i it's like i i'm watching these guys age on tv so (laughs) yeah (laughs) even though even though they've they've been recycling these ideas so long i i'm still watching it because i love the characters and their interaction and i'm hoping that you know they're able to change up enough to to make it interesting again this year i agree that's why i'm watching all right Mm -hmm. let's move on uh, so mediocre supernatural that you, I just can't quit you. Um, <laughs> next up, we're going to talk about the good place, which I love, love the good place. Uh, and this was really the first episode where we get to see their plan in action, which is their alliance with Michael and how that's going to work and what that's going to look like. And what's hilarious to me is Tahani. Uh, knowing that the party is designed to be a torture session for her and her inability to, like, you know, not feel anything, and it actually still worked. And she was like, am I that shallow? And I was like, yes, yes, you are. Did anybody else see it? Yeah, I I love the show. Um, Yeah, so we also got in this episode. We also got Michael uh, learning about more about being human and d- dealing with death for the first time. And he had like his Home Alone moment when he suddenly realized uh, that things can die. Uh, <laughs> and so I, I did like that. Then he went through like this whole like midlife crisis, and he got Jeanette. So we saw oh Janet as God, a blonde. That was hilarious. <laughs> And so, yeah, I, I just really enjoy the show. And then we got the big thing at the end with uh, Jason and Tahani uh, sleeping together. So <laughs> that's <laughs> the thing that's so weird about that is that's what I expected to happen in season one. And then they flipped my expectation and had Jason with Janet. And I was like, OK, I didn't see that coming. And although I did like them together. I, I really did, made... too. I, I like the, the problems that were created by trying to have the two of them together. But with Tahani and Jason, I'm not sure how I feel about it, especially because they got me excited about the idea of Eleanor and Cheedy. I was like, ooh, I want to see that. And then they're like, nope, we're going to give you this other couple. And I'm like, uh, I mean, it's shocking. I wonder- it's shocking, but I'm not sure how I feel about it. It seems like Jason, though, is more just like, oh, that was good. That was fun. Like, I don't think he really, like necessarily has feelings for Tahani where it felt more like he had feelings for Janet. Oh, that's but true. Not... Yeah, I, I agree with that. But, but you have to uh, remember this is early in the cycle, so they don't really know each other that well yet. That's true, yeah. So, and um, I, I, Go ahead. I did also really like the flashback of um, 
of Eleanor like completely breaking down when she saw the family of toothbrushes <laughs> and then the and then the family pack of Kleenexes like just was like the topper <laughs> on top of that. Like they do such a good job with like these ridiculous backstories of these people, like what they went through to get to the to their like really horrendous people uh that they are now and why they belong in a bad place but oh yeah i totally agree and 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 what's hilarious i don't even know the woman that took over uh that took over for michael i can't think of her name the former real eleanor is what i always (laughs) formerly known as real eleanor right uh she's really terrible at this, except she's really good at throwing parties because that party was insane. They had uniforms. Oh, that looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was like, I want to go to that party. Uh, so that part was great, but like her ideas, I like how Michael was like millennials, and they all stared at him. He was like, you know, demons that have only been around for a thousand years, millennials. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there, he's like, they don't think of complex ideas. So I thought that was really that was really good. Um, I can't wait for her next idea to torture them but what's interesting now is because they know what's going on it's really making them more aware of themselves you know so hopefully they will reach their emotional maturity faster by doing it this way and i am curious to see what kind of character michael will become now that he's actually has the ability to learn morality so uh, yeah, I'm in. Yeah, it. It makes this, you... show's, this show's great. So, thumbs up for me. Yeah, I have no idea where they're going. I don't know if, like, the end goal is, like, they all actually become good and qualify for the good place, and Michael takes them there, but, like, I'm I'm definitely there for the ride. Like, this show always has me laughing every week, and I just thoroughly enjoy it. Absolutely agree. All right, uh, next up, apparently I'm the only one who watched Dirk Gently, premiere so i'm gonna give you guys uh the my quick impression if you have this is only for people who've seen season one because jumping into season two of dirk gently without season one is mental suicide because season one of dirk gently i remember watching the pilot going huh like it was so complex and so confusing it took like three to four episodes for me to actually have any idea of what was happening uh, but it was entertaining enough that I kept watching so that I could figure out what was going on. And I was like, okay, I have the rhythm of Dirk Gently. I understand how this show works. So I jump into the premiere of season two. And after the opening teaser, I was like, huh? Where <laughs> the show starts off in like this fairy tale land with people with pink hair and sword fights that involve scissors and trying to fulfill a prophecy and armies and drag i was like what where are we and um and and then the guy runs off and he's like you have to clear your name he's like the only way i can clear my name is to fulfill the prophecy i have to find dirk gently and i went what (laughs) (laughs) and um i love the fact that they can completely confound me and i I, I have no clue what's happening, and there's like a section in the middle where somebody finds a magic book and a wand, and they evaporate somebody with a spell, and I'm like, wait, 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 wait. I don't understand what's happening right now. And it's just like each season, they kind of rewrite the rules of reality in that 
world. It's like I watched season one and I like, okay, I get the rules. I understand what's going on. And season two, they're like, oh, those rules we told you about in season one. Yeah, we're totally rewriting them, uh, which is fascinating because they do a really good job. The writer of the show is fantastic. And it just everything just flows so fast and the dialogue is so quick and so witty so if you have not seen season one, please, please, please go and watch season one of Dirk Gently. It's amazing. And if you have no clue what's going on in the first episode, wait for it. Because it all gets, it all makes sense and all the, like, there's four or five storylines. And by the time you get to the finale, all of it has come together and it makes 100% sense. So because of that, I'm absolutely willing to sit back and figure out what the heck is going on for season two. So uh, a confusing thumbs up for me after watching the premiere. I have no idea what's happening. But that's how you feel when you watch the first episode of Dirk Gently. So that's okay. All right. If you guys have any questions or comments, send them to tvcampfire at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter. We're on Facebook. You can listen to us on GetThePointRadio.com, Krypton Radio, Wheatonopolis, and iTunes. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.